I'm Cape. And I'm Drew. We're just two former student athletes who understand the game. Not just on the court. But in life. At the end of the day, we just want to help. Today's athletes and former just trying to find their way. It's bigger than sports. This, this is, is the Cape and Drew Podcast. Podcast the, the Real, real TikTok. TikTok. What's up, everybody? I'm Kate. I'm Drew. Today, we have a special, special guest. And before I do a formal introduction, I got to take it back to how I, I met this gentleman. Uh, Drew, I think I called you back then. This was 2013. And I went to my first student affairs conference. I was, I was in, just got hired at, at a, a university. And it was my first student affairs conference, uh, NASPA. I think it stands for National Student Affairs Professional Association or something like that. And I went to Orlando, Florida. And for those that don't know, NASPA is just the National Conference for Student Affairs, but it's just a place. It's like 30,000 student affairs professionals go every year. And it's, it's a great uh, learning conference, but also a great networking conference. And I went to this presentation and I saw two six, 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 eight black dudes up there talking about their experience as a student athlete and the work they were doing. And I remember just sitting there looking at these two dudes. I said, damn, they look like me. And they, they sound intelligent. They talking about their experiences and da, da, da. And I forget the other gentleman's name, but he was talking about research and talking about all this. And I was like, man, this is incredible. And I, and I went up to the guys and I introduced myself. We chopped it up for a minute. Fast forward to 2019, I go back to the NASPA conference in LA and I run into our guests and, I, and I'll introduce them in a minute. And the other gentleman, and I told them, and, I, and it's crazy how stuff comes full circle. And I go up to him, I said, yo, man, I don't know if y'all remember this, but I saw y'all back in 2013. I want y'all to know y'all inspired me to do research on student athletes. I got my doctorate, all of these things. And it was just crazy. And so today we have Mr. Tremaine Davis on our show. And uh, I mean, you got a new title now, man. You captain of the Super Bowl, all of this stuff. And we're oh, going to that in a minute. But man, we appreciate you joining the show, man. Man, thank y'all so much for having me, man. And, you know, it's amazing how things come full circle. You know, it, it was meant for us to, to, to connect way back when in Orlando. You know, we, we definitely wanted to make sure that we had, we had, we had an opportunity there to be clear and intentional about the, the transition from being a student athlete to a professional. And uh, that was our goal. And so for the fact that, you know, folks like yourself was there to take that and and now here you are a part of that unit now that gets to pay it forward now. Because now I'm sure it's been several people that come up to you and say the same thing, man. So that's what it's about. That's what it's about, man. It really is. So, you know, the first thing, the question we always ask people is just, you know, how have things been for you kind of personally during these, these unprecedented times? You know, every, every week it seems like it's something different you got to shift to. <laughs> this is so true. You know, the, the, the pandemic has, has been just that, you know, it's, it has really made, made us think about the importance of flexibility um, and, and opportunities. You know, um, I think on, on one scale, you know, I'm feeling it the way, the same way everyone else is feeling it. You know, we're here, I'm out here in Cali, but I'm, I'm in LA and LA has been like the, this, the, the, the heart of like cases coming out left and right, you know, so we've been like on shutdown mode for, for a while. Things are starting to loosen up a little bit here, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not, we got to make sure we go out, outside with two masks. You know, if you got one, you know, you, 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 you might, you might still, you know, put yourself in exposure. So we, we rocking two masks out here. Um, you know, for so I understand it from that point, but on the flip side, man, this time has been such a blessing, you know what I mean? And I say that, I say that with understanding like how important this time has been because, you know, we have people that's, that's lost lives. We got family members that's lost lives, you know? And I say that with all due respect to them, but, you know, from a personal perspective, it has been a blessing, man, to have this much time with my family, you know, to, to, you know, we're going on almost a year, but to have this time with my daughter see my daughter every single day all day you know to be around uh, my incredible better half my queen you know my wife to to be there and support her and for us to connect in a way that we would never ever had the time to do that before had this not happened 
I try my best to find the blessings in everything. And this has been a, been a blessing in, in that regard. So I'm, I'm forever thankful for it. Yeah, me and Drew always talk about how, like, literally right now, my wife is downstairs working and I'm working. Yeah. Downstairs. And, you know, divorce rates have gone up, Tremaine, since this because <laughs> people are having to, you know, be together instead of that, you know, it's goodbye in the morning. And then when you get back from work at five, six o'clock, how was your day? Just the, you know, generic, <laughs> you know, uh, communication. Yeah. You having to really sit and, deal and, and yeah communicate so yeah I, we we with you man we spent a lot of time with our kids too and uh it's been a blessing i'm sure i get on my wife's nerves quite a bit but uh, <laughs> it's been cool though man so uh let's talk about your upbringing a little bit i know you from you from originally from pittsburgh california i didn't even That's know right. i had to do my research i didn't even know <laughs> pittsburgh california but yeah. Let's talk about that because I read somewhere you were raised by your grandparents and that's let's right talk about that, but also yeah. how you got into hoops and you know when did you know you were good? Yeah, man. You know, um, so I, you know, this is this is gonna age us, but it's okay because I think we all kind of in the same age group. Um, so yeah, man, I come from the Bay Area, you know, Northern California, deep east bay, Pittsburgh, California. We're about 25 minutes east of Oakland, you know, about 20 minutes, I would say, north northwest of Richmond and Vallejo area. Um, so we're one of those school, we're one of those cities that's like a small city um, that's not talked about a lot. You know, I think that happens a lot too. you know, wherever we come from, there are certain areas that's big and draw a lot of attention. But then there are other areas where like it's, it's, under, it's overrated or underrated, you know, and for us in our state, you know, Pittsburgh is an underrated city. Um, you know, that has a lot of roots to the South. It's a lot of families that migrated from the South, you know, um, it's a lot of folks from Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, that, that found this place to settle in, you know, and speaking about the, the black community. So I grew up under that, you know what I mean? And I, and I grew up, uh, raised by my, by my, um, grandparents. Um, my grandmother was, became my, uh, my legal guardian when I was three years old. So, you know, she raised me, my paternal grandmother, my, my, um, my dad's mother, um, and the reason that she took me in is because uh, I was given to the I was given to the state as uh, soon as I was born. You know, I, I was awarded the state. Man, unfortunately, my parents were heavily, you know, addicted to heroin. By the time I came came to life, man, my mother had me. Um, number one, my mother was a very young mother. You know, so for her to be, you know, having this addiction issue at 17, she had me when she was 17. Um, you know, what is another story within itself. Uh, but I was born prematurely, you know, I was born at six and a half months, you know, so even even from the very beginning, man, it, it was about determination to make it, you know, um, and I think that really like, you know, as I look back on life now, that really set the tone for what I was going to have to go through in order to, to, to be where I'm at. Um, so, yeah, man, it, but it was it was incredible. You know, one thing that I really appreciate is that I wasn't shielded from anything to be adopted by my paternal grandmother meant I saw why I was adopted to begin with. Like I started doing all the crazy stuff that folks who are strung out on something do. Um, you know, later on in life, my, my, my mother, you know, she got clean and got herself together. And it was amazing to see her, you know, for her, for being her, to see this, you know, this woman who like, you know, conquered all of her demons was incredible. And, but unfortunately, you know, our time was short lived. Um, my mother passed away when I was 14. And, um, and later on, you know, like a year and a half after that, my father passed away as well. Um, my mother passed away from a brain aneurysm, just like suddenly, you know, just, just gone. My father uh, was diagnosed with HIV um, back in um, 1997. And uh, by the time we found out about it, you know, the doctors was giving him about six months to live. He eventually lived another year, year and a half um, from that diagnosis. But that's the, during that time where, where we got a chance to like really connect. And I, I got a chance to, to develop a relationship with my father as he was, you know, on this path of, of living this new life of being sober for the first time in his life in a very long time. And I also uh, took part in being a, his caregiver. You know, my grandmother and myself were his caregivers. So I got like an education on HIV, AIDS, you know, the importance of nutrition, um, you know, just all this, this, this information that it was, 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 was quite overwhelming at, at some points. But again, this is some, these are all the things that like uh, shaped me into being who, who, I, who I am. Before my father, this gets back to your question about hope. So uh, before my father, you know, became, you know, a, um, a victim to his addiction, my father was a hooper. You know, my father was, 
that guy, you know, as I'm listening to, you know, stories. In fact, people didn't even call me by my name when I played ball around the neighborhood. They was like, oh, yeah, that's Chester's son right there. That's Chet's son. You play just like your father, you know. So, you know, it's kind of kind of that. And, and uh, I think I, I tried my best to, to be him, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. I, could, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I could not be better than him, man. He was, he was that great. Uh, the, the, the most points I scored in high school in one game uh, was 39 points. So I'm gloating, you know, I'm coming home, feeling myself, you know, I'm talking to my dad about it. He like, oh yeah, that's good. So congratulations, you had a good game. Uh, go over there and pick up that that uh, that, that scrap uh, book and bring it over here. So I go get it, he flipped the pages. He didn't even say no, he just flipped the pages and handed it to me like, huh, read this. I looked down, my father averaged 49 points his sophomore year on varsity. I stopped talking. I stopped talking. <laughs> I stopped talking, man. He was, he was that good, you know? So, uh, but I was, I was chasing this phantom, you know, I was chasing, I was chasing to be as, as good as he was, you know, but I think the time where I figure out I was pretty good is once like all the, all the elders in the community, all the, all the older heads, the grown, grown men who was playing when they just, when they started letting me play with them. And I think that was around, I was, I was around 13. When I started letting me play with them, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on to something. Now I got to stick with it because that's the honor. You have to be a youngin. And for like these folks who are grown, like how we're grown now, they say, oh yeah, come on over here. I got you. You on my team, young pup, come with me. That's that's how you know, like I'm, I'm on to something. That's where you know, dog. And uh, that I think that happens uh, to all of us at some point if you're good. And then if you get on there and start doing your thing, it's funny you mentioned your upbringing. You and Drew, and we ain't got the time today <laughs> to it, but I know Drew is thinking what I'm thinking. Y'all got a lot in common. That hey, I'm a, I'll share. I'll share one little little with you, man. So my father kind of had those same demons, right? And uh, yeah, passed away not too long ago, but he hooped too growing up, and so he played on that. 1974 NC State team with David Thompson and all of them. Oh man. And so, like you said, like you had a good game in high school. I can remember having a good game one time and coming home and feeling like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all right. And he did that same thing. Oh, look at that scrapbook right there. And I opened it up and he had like, it was like the, the caption was Johnson leads the Crusaders, right? It was a high school clip. He had yeah. like 35 with a broken hand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so he had to play left-handed and he was right-handed. And I was oh, like, man. Alright, okay. <laughs> but just like just little similar stuff. So yeah, yeah. Brings back brings back a lot of memories. That's incredible, man. Like our, our pops, man, they you know, they I don't think they realize that that how much of super hills they, they are to us, you know. And he, I don't care what my father went through, he still was my father. He still was a superhero to me. And a lot of my frustrations came out of I didn't get a chance to see him fly. You know what I mean? It's not that I didn't think he was a superhero. It's just that I didn't get a chance to see him fly. So, you know, I, I understand that completely, man. But I think it's on us now to make sure that we continue that that, that legend on something so that they won't ever be forgotten. And uh, kind of we, we're kind of like hoop connoisseurs, man. So, you know, your experience at San Diego State, I feel like a lot of people kind of know about it now just for like as far as Kawhi. Right. But we kind of thought about like as far as Steve Fisher, Fab yep. Five, like yep. what was that experience like and kind of just did that that aura, that element just being around that? Because I mean, it's Steve Fisher. <laughs> it's Steve Fisher, man. Steve Fisher is pulling up to the house. Steve Fisher sitting on the couch. This is the man that was out there at Juwan's crib, at Chris Weber, at Jalen Rose's house. He talking to me? It was a done deal before this whole thing even started. But the but the, the incredible thing about it, though, like what that was real special, Drew, is that on that, y'all know how it go, man. These recruiting processes, man, coaches come through, try to, to sell you on a dream that they think this is your fantasy. They think you want to hear about the Nike endorsement, how much time you're going to play. You can wear any number you want, all this other stuff. Fish came through. We talked about education. We talked about the importance of, of having education and that value that it can never be something that can be reduced, but it only can grow in value. We spent two and a half hours talking about that. I learned not about the Fab Five. I learned about Craig Hodges. You know, I learned that he was Craig Hodges' high school coach. And for me, that really sparked something in my mind because, you know, growing up, and this is, this is another cool thing about growing up in the Bay, 
there's a lot of elements in the Bay Area, right? Like you, you there, there is there is the street, there's a street culture, there's the hustling culture, there is like there's there's a big like pimp culture in the Bay Area, and then there is the conscious culture. And you learn about Huey P. Newton. You know about Tommy Smith and John Carlos. You know about Craig Hodges. Like that's stuff that's embedded in you. And so for, when he, we start talking about that, that really sparked me. And so I could not pass up on an opportunity to, to be around someone that was around somebody like Craig Hodges, who I looked up to, you know? So it, it was a done deal, you know? So I think that was really powerful. And that was the first, that was the first college vision I had. So for him to set the bar and then everyone else came in and they was talking all this other stuff. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Whatever. <laughs> like, thank you for your time. You're okay. Thank you. You know, but like, nah, because not one time did you mention about the importance of me getting an education. Not one time did you talk about uh, me having an opportunity if I wanted to double major, what would that look like? Not one time did you talk about the importance of supporting me and my dreams of being the first in my family to graduate from, from college. You know, I'm the first in my family to graduate from high school. So these are the things that's important to me. And so the fact that no one got that but Coach Fisher in the San Diego State uh, team, like I was so, one thing he told me, he was like, you know, Tremaine, I can't promise you that you're going to come and be a, a superstar. But what I can promise you is an opportunity to change a program forever. And I said, that's an opportunity that I think I want to be a part of, Coach. And the rest is history. The rest is history. We were known as a football team, Marshall Fall, all those guys, you know, Bro, my, my freshman year, dare I say, we had about 700 people come to games. If that, if we're lucky, if we're playing against like a big school, maybe 700, go to the tournament, things change. I tell people all the time, man, look, we went from being sponsored by Rawlings Athletic to Nike. That's That should tell you. That should tell you right there. <laughs> and not the weak Nike, like not the Nike that give you like last year's edition, like, like the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, back then, I think uh, that's that's back when um, Nike Nike uh, shocks was like big, you know, like mm. the push, like with the beat with the Vince Carters and stuff. So we got all those, man, which, which is a beautiful thing. My feet really appreciated that. Hey, so y'all went to the NCAA tournament, right? Yes, sir. Who'd y'all play? We played Illinois and got mocked. <laughs> they, they have um, the two guards. What's uh, the, the, uh, Brown and uh, Darren Williams? That was listen, no, no. Illinois had they had Frank Williams. Oh. They had they had your boy Luther Head was a freshman. He was the, he was the he was the the uh, the freshman of the year, yeah. right? They had Brian Cook as their five. Mm. Bro, they was loaded, man. It was all these, all these guys who went on to play in, in, in the NBA, man. That team was loaded. And you know, they they mollywopped us, man. Like that was where I really saw like there's a difference between a, a good team and a great program. There's a massive difference. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna think how old we are. I was watching a game earlier this year, and I I don't remember the school, but Frank Williams' son is playing somewhere. He's a mm. freshman or a sophomore or something. And I was like, wait. And they showed his dad back in there because his dad was a monster. He was a McDonald's All-American. Yep. I'm gonna say out of Chicago and a beast. Cause I think he came out the same year that uh my cousin came out as far as being at McDonald's. But um yeah, man, that's crazy. Uh so um after you finished hooping, what was your path like? Because I and I'm not sure, but did you play overseas or did you get right into to your career? I got right into my career. Um, I, I didn't, two, two things, you know, one, I'm in college, you know, I'm a, I'm a teen parent, you know, so my, my whole college experience, I'm a father. So me going out and chasing a possibility about what could happen didn't seem so appealing to me. Um, I'm thinking about how can I establish something to where I can create consistency you know, I want consistency so that my son can see. Um, and I also was very passionate about going into education. I, I, that's always been my concentration. I knew I wanted to be an educator. I thought I wanted to be a high school teacher, but I knew I wanted to be an educator. You know what I mean? So life after hoop um, really started with me just like trying my best to figure out that transition. How can I go from being a student athlete to an educator? And I thought I would have a couple of different opportunities, but I, I learned what we all learn as student athletes that you don't exist in the real world. You know, like you have to really prove that you have merit 
that you have something that's tangible that can that can that can be uh, sent over to this world. So I was told that it's great, but you don't have experience a lot of times. My first job working with a college degree, right, was working at Burlington Coat Factory. It's my first job out of college, bro. Burlington Coat Factory, right? I'm making minimal wage. I'm fresh off of a off off of a Mountain West Championship, a league title, all that. So I got three rings on working at Burlington Coat Factory, making minimal wage. You know what I mean? At six eight. <laughs> we got stories for days. Hey, I'm gonna say we got so many stories, but how humbling was that though? How like how was that? You did six eight. I've been next to you. You a legit six eight too. So you just black dude working in Burlington Coat Factory, and people are asking you about <laughs> coats and, si and shoes or whatever, and you just right. off of being yep. basically celebrated every yep. single day. How was, yep. how was that? Man, it was humbling, bro. But I think I think I, I I credit I credit my grandmother so much, you know, for making me understand that work is work. You should never be ashamed about having the opportunity to put food on the table. You know what I mean? Because she worked. You know, my grandmother was an incredible woman, like all of our grandmothers are, you know. Um, but she came out that era where, like, the opportunities that were afforded to her was either she cooked for somebody or she did in-home care. And that's what she did. And it's not to say that that's where her passion, her talent lied, but she did that to provide for her family. So I, I often was go back to my grandmother of just, you know, being someone that was humble about, you know, recognizing the blessing that you had with just having an opportunity to work. Because the, the, the best thing that happened with that experience of working at, two things that happened at Burlington Coat Factory was one, I had, an, I had a volunteer opportunity at a charter school in San Diego that, that was open to me every Thursday where I, I created my own curriculum and I ran the after school program every Thursday. So I was off every Thursday so I can do that. Um, the other thing is that it gave me experience to work in quote unquote uh, retail for another opportunity that opened up. So I went from working from Burlington for about a year and a half to then working at Bloomingdale's. And that was that was a game changer right there. <laughs> working at Bloomingdale's, oh man, it was a game changer. Cause you know, not only was I making uh, my, my regular pay, but I also was making a commission like, like 30% on the items that I was a specialty for. So I had three items under my belt. I had Hugo Boss, I had Tommy Bahama, and I had uh, True Religion. This is back when you remember when True Religion jeans was popping. Yeah. This is the Jim Jones, uh, you know, Dipset, Ed Hardy, heavy truck hats. This is during that era. So, man, I'm 30% off of all the things that was coming. That was every time those items were being sold, I'm getting 30% of that as a specialist. Brought me home, all kind of crazy checks for it for a minute, man. But if it had not been for that experience at working at Burlington, I wouldn't have been able to get the experience working at Bloomingdale's. And I still kept my Thursdays open to work the after school program, which was the best part about all of it. And I can remember when we first got done playing, everybody was all like, so you're going to get into coaching? And we just like, man, no. <laughs> like That was like... Hey, I ain't going to lie. I tried. Like, I thought I, I thought that was going to be me because Drew would tell you, like, I watched film just because I love the game. I was a student, and I thought, you know, my family did it. So I yeah. tried it, but then I realized really quickly, I said, man, I can't – I'm going to be stressed out. I can't be trying to – hoping and praying these little kids or these young people listen to me. So I got out yeah. quick. Yeah. And also, too, like with being a coach, particularly at D1, you know, programs, hopefully this has changed a little bit. But as I look on the screen, I don't see a change. I hasn't changed that much. As a black coach, what are you responsible for? You know what I mean? At a D1, at a D1 institution, your job is to go get black black players. Right. right. You got to go to the hood and go get these players. What's your job security like? You know what I mean? Man. Do you have, is it a such thing for a black coach to have job security? No. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it to me, you know, but if, if I'm being quite frank with y'all. So on top of also creating plans and, you know, going over strategies for games and working with young people, which is a great thing. There is this other realistic part to that job that's serious. 
The moment that you get out of line as a black coach, the moment that you say something that needs to be said, but can't be delivered by you, what's going to happen to you? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, bro, look, this, I'm like, man, I'm looking every, every time I look on, on, a, on a ticker and I see Georgetown lost the game. I'm worried shitless about, about Patrick Ewing. I'm worried for that brother. I'm like, bro, come on, Georgetown, bro. You got to win. You got to win. You got to win. Because we all know what happens, man. We all know. Yes. We don't get smart. Right. Exactly. Same thing for Shaka. It's like, oh, bro, you got Texas now. Like, bro, please just keep winning. Keep winning. Keep winning. Because we know a part part of us having freedom is having the freedom to fail. And we don't get that. We don't have that as as black folk, as black professionals in anything that we do. So especially in coaching, man, we here today going tomorrow. I think that uh, that's the basketball, especially at that level, man. The first thing I learned, man, margin of error. <laughs> and coach was like, your margin of error is a little bit different than his. <laughs> and it was just like, okay. But now you you think about that now, like, Coach K ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> nowhere. You get caught up in the biggest cheating scandal, paying whatever players. Nah, it wasn't me. Nope. Nope. And the assistants would gladly take the bullet for it. Gladly. They'll fall on that sword so quick. No. It'll be an honor. Like I think I I don't know if y'all in the comic book movies, man, but I, I think when you say that, I think back to uh the last Batman movie with, with Bang when they was on a plane setting up, you know, and the dude got up and he was, Bang was like, nah, one of us, one of us gotta sacrifice <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. It would be my honor. <laughs> it will be my honor. <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's a different mind game up there, man. They they're a little different. Man. It's a little different, family. It's a little different, man. So, like, you know, bro, we we don't you know, we're not going to put that stress on us, man. And also, like, there's so much things that we're capable of that's outside of this sport. You know what I mean? So it's a matter of us going and, and really spreading our wings. And that's no disrespect to any of us who went on and, and transitioned into being a coach. That's, you know, we, we celebrate that. We honor that because we know we're needed. Right. You know, we're not talking about that. We're talking about just that system of what that represents presents you know and making sure that our people are are, are are being well taken care of which doesn't happen all the time no yeah it's it's a grind man it's, a, it's definitely a grind so with that how did you kind of get into uh working in higher education yeah man so check this story out so again as i told y'all i'm volunteering every thursday right and it's it, i'm loving it man I, i'm looking forward to thursday like every week i'm getting a chance to be around these students i'm working with their families i'm working like a real like gang area in san diego like you know in san diego it's a beautiful great city but the, every their areas right so this area in san diego is known as southeast san diego that's like where where it's the mostly black community but it's also very like gang heavy you know, so I'm working in the heart of like one of these gang territories. And I remember uh, one, one young man, uh, his brother used to come pick him up at the, at, every day at, at, when we got done with the after school program. And I remember he pulled me aside one day. And he was like, hey, I just want to let you know that you're good around here, homie. My little brother tell me the work that you're doing with him, bro. And I, I appreciate that, man. So you good around here, homie. All right. Then put the word out. Everybody know you good. Thank you. <laughs> you know, yeah. I appreciate that. You know what I mean? But his brother was a somebody. His brother was like a general in one of these gangs, you know, and had that clout to say to move, to move things around. So like, so I'm doing this after school program. One of the sports writers who worked at the Union Tribune uh, walks into Bloomingdale looking for a tie for a banquet that he's getting ready to go to. I help him. We get to talk and he's like, you know, I, I know that you were you were interested in education. Like, are you doing anything around education right now? I said, yeah, I'm actually volunteering at this charter school down here. He's like, OK, I'll love to come visit one day. I'm like, all right, come come on by. He shows up one day. He comes. He observes. He's seeing what's going on. I see him like talking to other people. I'm not I'm not knowing like what's really going on. He comes back to me. He says, thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. I think I have everything I need. I'm like, OK. <laughs> This is a Thursday, right? Sunday paper come out. You remember back in the days we used to get newspapers. That Sunday newspaper, that's that's that thick boy. That's that, that Snickers King size newspaper. You know what I mean? They got everything in it. So he writes an article that is about seven pages on the work that I'm doing at this school. But then he goes back and talks about just like my, you know, my upbringing and everything. I did. So this comes out on Sunday. On Tuesday, I get a call from the vice president 
at San Diego State to come in and talk about an opportunity. And that's how I got my start in higher education. Wow. From that, from this volunteering opportunity that goes back to like, again, being humble about having work because it all started with me being able to have Thursdays off when I worked at Burlington Co Factory. You know what I mean? So like, that's why it's so important for us to stay the course. Like, you know, if we know that we have a passion for something, we got to stay the course because you never know what opportunities are going to open up. But it's a guarantee that nothing's going to open up if we don't stay the course. Man, we always talk about relationships, right? And we always, like, just imagine, like, imagine if you'd have been a jerk to that dude who's looking for his right. time. <laughs> right, just, right. It's always we talk about. It's like, it costs you nothing to be nice to people, man. <laughs> nothing, bro. Nothing at all, man. You're for real, for real. Because you never know how that goes. I, I'm here because of that. I'm here because of relationships, man. Like, that's the only reason that I'm, I'm able to, to do what I do is because of relationships. And that, I mean, dog, we could spend a whole nother hour talking about why that what you just said is a testimony in itself because if you would not have followed your passion and done something volunteer you ain't getting paid for that it's not getting paid right do. but so many especially young people they think that they got to get paid for every move they make and right me and drew are like no man like just position yourself especially That's right it. now you ain't got a lot of bills you ain't got a lot going on like give up your time your time will turn into some money long term that's right getting them to understand that is a whole different story though man they, yeah. they think they're supposed to make six figures right out of college right yeah man let's let's talk about this because me and drew are just true believers in this but um did you use or do you use what you learned in sports every day in your line of work Every day, yeah. every single day, every day, like coming up with a game plan, breaking down like what, what, what is going to help me be at my peak? You know, how am I going to get a, get the position on this defender that's at, that's here? My, the defender, the, 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 the opponent that I'm facing here is all of these injustices that's happening in our education system. And so for the fact that I know what it is, how do I put together a game plan to make sure that our students know what it is? For all that comes from my time playing ball. That comes from watching film, being able to break down things, going over drills that don't make sense for me as a big man to be hand, working on my handles right now because I'm, I'm work, operating the post, but eventually it's going to come into play. I might steal a ball. I might lead a fast break one day. So having this, you know, uh, memory to maneuver this ball between my legs is going to come in handy one day. It's the same thing, like, you know, talking to our students about just life, about making choices, what classes to take, why it's important to take this class. I know you're struggling with this teacher. You don't like this teacher, but you're going to reward yourself when you get to college because you get to decide your professor. And if you don't like that professor, you can take another class. You can tell them, I don't like you. That's why I'm out. Peace. Like, so it's a matter of like making sure the students understand that. But no, bro, all that has been, you know, transferred over from playing sport to working in these education settings that I, I mean, I use it every single day. It's the discipline to wake up early, all that lead, uh, be a team player. That's probably the biggest one right there. Yeah. Being a team player. This ain't about me. You know what I mean? It's something about much more than myself. And I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about like the Super Bowl stuff, but like, I wanted to highlight the work that we do as a team, not, not this one I'm doing. I'm a part of a team. You know, I made sure that every interview that I had, you know, that press run, I talked about the importance of me being on a team. You know, this ain't about me, it's about my team. So those things come in candy every single day. No, we just talked to Central yesterday, a football team, and Drew, I'm sure Drew is about to say this, but we talk about those little things that you do as an athlete. Like, I remember me and Drew always laugh about these crazy workouts we would do with these bands, I'm sure y'all did it, Sandy. Was like, these bands tied around your ankles, and you doing yep. lines, and you got the medicine ball, and you just yep. you just jumping up and down, and you like, man, what the what? What? Why, what is, why, why am I doing it? Why am I doing these hamstring <laughs> workouts? That my I feel like my leg's about to fall off. But then, when it's time to go get that rebound, or or, or it's time to you know defend somebody, and it's the second half, five minutes left. Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing that what you're talking about it don't make sense until it matters until you got to use it yeah like yep i'm glad yep. i did it that's right that's you know, right but uh adversity right and i'd be like man imagine your hardest workout you run your suicide as a coach like all right one more everybody make it we done <laughs> 
everybody makes it. Coach still be like, nah, y'all got one more. One more. <laughs> like, like that reaction, right? That's like, that's life, right? That part yep. right there. Like, how are you going to respond to that? Yep. So, man, now somebody says something about a bad day. I'm like, a bad day? Man, how much time you got? <laughs> like, right. nothing. But it's it like we always say, man, we tap into the athletic piece every day. Like yeah. uh, we said yesterday, man, I don't remember the last time we slept. I slept past like 10. I don't even that don't even feel right. Like what's just, that? What's that? Man, that's this is funny to hear someone else say that because it's like the same thing. But the how do you kind of navigate spaces that you're in as a black man and the work that you do in the community? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to be very honest with y'all. I struggle with that a lot. You know, um, I, I really this year have made it a goal to myself. You know, I, I was listening to that 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 Jay-Z um, interview where he talks about like when he walks into a room, he walks in that room as himself. He doesn't cower. He doesn't shrink. He doesn't change his voice. Like that has been the opposite of, of what I've been doing, you know, for a while, if I'm being very honest with you. You know, working in, in higher education on the academic side, there's no space that's created for me. I stick out, you know what I mean? Like, again, like, you know, being tall, being black, being fully bearded, all these things are indicators from the world that like, it's a, it's a negative, you know, like I have to, I always felt like, I felt like this for a very long time. I had to take out the bass in my voice to talk to someone. I had to make sure that my dimples are showing every time I approach somebody. Um, when someone comes in and we're standing at first, I will find like somewhere to sit down so they don't feel intimidated by me. Like these are things that I used to do all the time. And I just got to a point now, like this year where it's like, nope, <laughs> not anymore. You know what I mean? So like my attire, I haven't put on it. Well, a few different times I put on a shirt and tie throughout this pandemic, maybe like three times. But other than that, like, no, we, you are coming into my space. This is my comfort zone. So I'm going to show you these chains that I'm rocking. I'm going to show you like, you know, my hoodie that I got on today. This is how this is how I'm in my space. This is my com comfort zone. So I'm getting to that point now where like it's important for me to represent me. But because of like that, that negative impact that I know people have of black men and particularly, you know, uh, dare I say like dark skinned black men too, because this, this is like always been a thing. I've always tried to be aware, aware of that. And so I will always like dress in shirt and tie, suits, vests, all that stuff, you know, working. And most of the time I'm overdressed, but I felt like I had to do that to, to, to show people before they even approach me that I'm, I'm approachable, I'm okay. It's okay for you to have a conversation with me, you know? So I'm and then I'm 14 years in, you know what I mean? And I'm just now getting to that space of like being okay with myself in the particular setting of like academia. Now, the work that we're doing with our, with our youth, that's what I love. That's where I really can like be myself because all those things draw attention to me. All, all those things help me reach out and make sure that students understand where I'm coming from because they look like, damn, bro, tall. Like, I wonder if he played basketball. Oh, he played basketball. Oh, he, he wait, he got a master's degree. Oh, that's, you know, so like all that stuff helps out. So it's like, it's the opposite effect. It is the base in my voice that, that demands uh, attention. It is my height that helps me, you know, uh, communicate with students. It is the fact that I play ball that students are, are now listening to me. We'll get to the academic piece, but they're drawn to me because I play ball. So I, I'll show up and like some, some fresh J's, you know what I mean? Or a chain on or whatever the case may be, that's what's hip that I know students are into because that's important. So I use all that to, to you know, to help motivate students to, to get to the space, you know, of academia so that they can, you know, have options, you know, for their future. Um, but it's, it's, it's a weird dichotomy that, you know, I just had time to like process myself. It's like, I'm my greatest when I'm, when I'm, when I'm my most comfortable. And if I've been able to achieve these things in academia, being uncomfortable, what can I achieve with me being comfortable? You know, and I really have to have a real conversation about that with myself. And I, I couldn't agree with you more on everything you said, man. And I appreciate you being so transparent because Drew, I don't even know if we talked about this on this level, but I feel like that too. Like I'm just getting to the point. I think it comes with like being in higher ed for a little bit now. It's been 10 years for me, but also, mm -hmm. you know, you get to a point like I'm 37, right? Yeah. And, and I always have to remind myself, I'm like, at the end of the day, man, like, I know I'm a good person, right? Like, I know if I make a mistake or if I come up with that whole bearded thing, 
being I'm six five, six six. That whole sitting down when people approach, I've done all of that. It's like, and I know exactly what Jay Z clip you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yo. And then sometimes I question myself in certain spaces: Am I support? Am I smart enough to speak up? Am I intelligent enough to yeah. add my two cents? And I have to catch myself because I'm like, wait a minute. Like literally in that moment, I'm like, wait a minute, dog. Like, yep. Yeah, here, like I'm hired. I'm at it's hey, I, I, yep. shit, I ain't got my degree. Like, yep, I got three of them. So, wait, right, I got, three <laughs> of this, but it's a conscious reminder, even with all of that. Like, it's just a thing because to your point, and you at UCLA, and we're gonna get into that in a second. You at yeah. UCLA, right, as a black man, educated, six, eight, bearded up. So, I can only imagine. Right. What kind of scholars you're around and kind of people that think they stuff don't stink. Right. <laughs> so um, funny hearing y'all, y'all had that conversation just because so I, I work at an HBCU, right? And it's just uh-huh. the total opposite. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, got, you got you of you got your dilemmas and stuff, but as far of as course. like afraid like to speak up or sticking out. Nah, it's almost like a, you you going to a cookout every day, kind of like yeah. your, your family. Like, uh, just to those things you say, like as far as you know, might have some J's on, right? You might have a hoodie on. It's yep. almost like like that is like times ten at an HBCU, just because you you vibe with the students even more from that type of uh, you know vibe. So it, it's just right. It's it's good. I don't think I could ever go back. I've worked at a PWI, and I just feel like HBCU is like my space. Like I can really. Yeah. Self, even though I mean, it's it's all about the, the opportunities and just the impact you feel you have. But I just feel like HBCU man, it's just it's it's where it's at right now. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, man. That's why we need to have one uh, over here on the West Coast, man. Which is in the works, man. I, I know some people that's putting something together, man, to bring a H, a HBCU over here on, to this West Coast. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to that opportunity. That would be love, man. Yeah, that would be love. So. Like we just talked about, you work at UCLA and you are the coordinator for the VIP Scholars Program, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Talk about your role and you know just what what you got going on. Yeah, man, it's a, it's an incredible uh, program that you know I'm very fortunate to work with because you know to Drew to your point about like finding spaces where you can be comfortable, I, I can say that the folks that I work with, you know, definitely help me feel comfortable just with them, like my my working group because it's all people who understand the importance of us giving back to our community and paying it forward. And, you know, I think it also helps too that I work with a team of sisters, some incredible sisters, some powerful sisters, you know, um, that, uh, that are pillars, you know, in this community. So uh, a lot, a lot of what I do is to try my best to support them, but in regards to our student uh, component. So our, our program is an early outreach and engagement program that starts working with students in the 10th grade. Um, to make sure they understand the importance of rigor, um, understanding the importance of being uh, competitive, you know, from this academic side, so that they can get into institutions like UCLA. Um, the goal is not necessary to get students to come to UCLA, although that happens half the time. The goal is to make sure that they have the option to go wherever they want to go. So if they're able to get into UCLA, it's a strong chance they can get into anywhere else um, in the country. And so we have half of our students that do come to UCLA and the other half go to other institutions. So we have students that's at, you know, uh, HBCUs. We got a lot, we got about six, seven students right now that are, that are at, uh, um, that are at Howard University. We have a couple that's at Prairie View. We got a couple that's at Norfolk State right now. Um, and we also have students that are in the Ivy League. And then we have students too that are like, you know, I think it's best for me if I go to a community college and then I'll transfer where I want to go. So, you know, we have the, the entire spectrum covered of, of, of higher education students getting to that next step. I mostly work with those students um, day in and day out, although I still support like our students that are here at UCLA and doing different programs too. Um, but most of my work comes from supporting those students that are, that are not at UCLA. And so the pandemic has helped us like kind of shrink the, just the distance, you know, cause it's easy for us to hop on Zoom, tap in with each other, see how everything is going. Uh, let them know about certain resources or tap into like my counterparts that work at these schools and, uh, you know, make sure that the students are doing all right. And then, you know, I, I can move on and go from there. So I think that's the greatest thing about my position is that I'm not here preaching about UCLA, UCLA, although it's a great institution. It's like, no, where do you want to go? Oh, word, that's your dream school? Cool. Let's make it happen. You know, and then going from there where it's like, I don't have to like play like that brainwashing game 
you know, sometimes as like recruiters do, y'all all been, you know, you know, working in outreach and, you know, you may find someone that's like, oh, why you want to, you should come here because, you know, like I don't have to play that game. I can just really talk, tap into like where the students want to go. And then we build from there. You know, we built the foundation from there, which I love. I love that aspect about, about my job because once students get into where they want to go, like you see like the excitement and you see them understanding the importance of why they work so hard to get there. So that's, that's an incredible feeling. It's dope to hear you talk about that just because uh, I feel like, so I have a similar role, except it's getting students to go to graduate or PhD, right? Uh-huh. It's surrounded around first generation low income students. Yeah. That population of students is doing the same things, trying to trying to provide them or just make sure they know about all the resources that's available to them and trying right. to help them get to their kind of like their dream school. So it's it's definitely a, a, a real gratifying feeling that once they accomplish those things. So absolutely see somebody else doing the same thing. <laughs> yes, sir, man. We 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 all a part of it, man. You know, I think uh it's, it's very easy for us to feel like, you know, we, we're working in silos, man. But again, because of the pandemic, we're able to, to reach out and see that it's, it's other incredible folks doing, doing the work that needs to be done. And I think, you know, the more we get a chance to collaborate with each other, the, the, better, the better opportunities come out of it. Now, you, you said you got a chance to serve as an honorary captain at the Super Bowl a few weeks ago. Yeah. How did that come about? And, and tell us about that experience. Oh, man, that was an incredible experience. So, um, you know, I think uh, hopefully we, 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 we know this, too, like working in higher ed, it's important for you to make sure that you, you got your foot in something else. <laughs> so um, I'm very fortunate um, to to also uh, be an education expert for the NFL's Player Coalition program, um, which, you know, um, on the player side is 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 uh led by uh malcolm jason malcolm jenkins and uh anquan bolden um from a from a uh i guess the admin side is led by a woman by the name of angela lachica angela lachica once was a student athlete manager at single state when i played basketball so she was on our team as a manager um and so that's where the relationship comes into play uh, she graduated, went on to start her own uh, PR firm in, in, in athletics and sports and have done some incredible work, you know, working with different players and working with different foundations throughout the NFL. Uh, but she is like the, the brain um, behind the NFL's Players Coalition program. And so she, she tapped my shoulder uh, last June to bring me on, on board um, to, to take part in some of the work that they was doing in the education space. And then, of course, when uh, the pandemic hit, our focus really changed about just like seeing like this digital divide that was happening. Um, for those of us, you know, that work in higher education, we know that this digital divide is not anything new. This has been around for a very long time. You know, I was affected by digital divide. Like, you know, I was still in class, like writing notes down on, on, on paper. You know, I didn't have a laptop all throughout my college experience. I didn't, I didn't have a computer. I had to go to the computer lab to get stuff done. You know what I mean? So this has been around for quite some time. But I think with, with COVID, it really like exposed it because now we have to rely on technology, you know. So the work that, you know, we started to do also kind of parallel with the work I was doing at UCLA in regards to finding resources uh, for students. And I think it's due to that work and her knowing me, um, knowing the work that the path I've been on in higher education, she was my number one advocate to make sure that I was put on a national spotlight to be honored in such a way. And uh, it was incredible, man, you know, to, to get that call from her, you know, in a Zoom situation like this, which we normally would do, we'll check in and, and have a Zoom call. And all of a sudden, I'll start seeing other squares pop up. And I don't recognize these names or these faces. And it's, it's such and such NFL, such and such NFL, such and such NFL, such and such Seahawks. And then I'm looking, and it's Doug Baldwin from the Seahawks. I'm like, oh, what, something, something going on. What's going on? And so then she says, you're going to be a captain in this year's Super Bowl. Bro, I was, I, I was outside of my body, man. Like, it was <laughs> – I'm on the outside looking in like, what? Like, what's happening? My, my, my queen, she hovering around the whole time that she finally sits down, which she never does. I'm like, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm like looking at her, but like looking at the screen, like, like, what are you doing here? Like, so then I realized they all have been on this. She knew about this. She didn't tell me. So they all was in on this. Oh, you know what I mean? So, man, it was, it, was, it was incredible to get that call. But just like the actual experience itself, man, they really rolled out the red carpet for, for all of us, myself, James, and also um, Susie, who, who were uh, on the red captains as well. You know, they had us downtown in the heart of everything. 
Um, you know, we stayed in a, in a really nice hotel. Everything that we that we wanted was like right there. You know, they took great care of us, man. And so it, the whole experience was was incredible. Had a chance to like really get a, get a close uh, with Roger Goodell, watch the, watch the game with him and his family. Like his family, family. I'm talking about him, his kids, his in-laws. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, throughout that time, he was such an incredible host. You know, like he was very genuine in getting to know us and making sure that we felt comfortable. Um, and to talk about some things, too, that they were working on, you know, in regards to the NFL and certain policies that they have going on. Um, you know, I was, that was quite powerful. And then get a chance to be around Hall of Famers like Chris Carter and Darren Brooks and Kirk Warner. You know, who's someone who I who I cheered against the entire time I'm watching football because I'm a Niners fan and every team he played for, they're going against my Niners, you know. But now I'm having a chance to be right here next to him. And so we talking about that. And you know, that was an incredible experience, man. And I, and then my mentality too is like, I've been around big moments before. I've been around big people before. You know what I mean? Like my coach is Coach Fisher. You know, I played ball with Chris Walton, who's the son of Bill Walton. So Bill Walton has always been around, you know. Um, but nah, it wasn't nothing. It wasn't nothing like <laughs> being around the Super Bowl and being around these people, man, day in and day out. Like I look over, like you know, in the same suite as me is Russell Wilson, and Sierra. They watching the game. You know, I'm like, this. What? Where am I right now? Like, how is this even possible? And then to be a part of the Super Bowl, right? To to be a, a captain, to have Amanda Gorman to write a poem, and your name is mentioned you know, who just came off this incredible uh, poem at the inauguration. So like, what? Like this, this me, this happening to me? Like, no, it's, it's been incredible. We was on the field. So I gotta, I gotta share my moment cause I'm watching the game and I'm sitting there and it was crazy is I remember you posting on LinkedIn that you, you know, this is a yeah. honor, da, 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 and I kind yeah. of forgot. And so I'm watching the game and um, I'm sitting on the couch with my wife and Yo, you pop up, you know, you had your little get up on, looking, looking yeah. cool and whatnot. I'm like, yeah. know him. I'm like, I know. my wife is like, yo, calm down. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know him. I just, I just, and so that's why I, you remember I sent you that text. Yes, sir. Just seeing you, man. That's incredible. That's dope. That, 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 you hit me right back. Yeah. So thinking like, man, he probably chilling with some celebrities, babe. But it hit me back. But you hit me right back. So that was like, I was like, yo. And so look, this is what I did, man. I was like, yo. See, I told you at the point that my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's crazy. That crazy, man. Yeah, man. It it was crazy, and I and I, I had a moment. I, I I needed I needed a moment to myself. You know what I mean? Like to be on the field. First off, let me just say this, and I can say this. You know, I got a pass from my queen. Um, my queen know how I feel about Jasmine Sullivan, right? So I can say this. Wow. I'm watching her sing. Like, I'm literally like looking at her in clear 2020 vision. She is about two arm lengths uh, in front of me. I'm looking at her. I'm like, this is something else. This is something else. And then her does her performance and I literally can like feel the energy like from her guitar, like as she's playing it, I can feel the energy. I'm like right there. So to have that, and then they do the national anthem and then you feel like the power of like those, those B bummers flying across the field, man, it was powerful. It was really powerful. So I, I needed a moment to just take all that in. So I purposely like after that over when we got back up to the suite, I was just like kind of tucked off by myself, just like taking everything in. And then and at that moment, as I'm just like taking everything in, my phone is going crazy. <laughs> it's going crazy. Like it's just, this it's nonstop. Like I'm like, I never seen my phone do this before. But when I opened it up, the first text I saw was your text, bro. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, I, I just got right back at you, man, because, you know, it was, I, I was a part of that moment, but like one thing about, about me, and I'm sure it's the same about y'all, I'm not going to ever forget anyone that I come across that have inspired me in some kind of way. So if someone reaches to me, out to me, I'm, I'm hitting you right back, bro, because I don't ever want you to think that because I'm on this platform that you don't matter. 
Nah, I got here because of you. You know what I mean? I'm here because of you. Again, just going back to what I said before, that moment, although I was highlighting, yes, my name was said, but that moment was about us. That moment was about the work that we did. And that's why I wanted to make sure that I represented in such a way. Like I just posted this on my social media that I don't think nobody else caught, you know, or maybe wasn't even paying attention to it. But like every single interview that I did when I was on TV, national TV being interviewed, I made sure to have on a black owned company. Mm. I made sure to have like something that represented our culture. My, my, my Super Bowl get up, you know what I mean? That's, that's something that I went to the shop called Cthulhu out here in LA. The same people who worked on the, on the, uh, the wardrobe for the Black Panther movie, that's who made that, made, made my suit for me. Man. I want to make sure that like I represented for us, bro. Cause that was a moment for us. That's a moment for our culture, for our community. And so I wanted to make sure that I, I was deeply planted in that, man. So like, that's to me like i feel great about that yeah. you know what i mean it's, it's cool like you know being a part of that and having my name being a social all that's cool but if i'm not doing something that's going to represent for the greater it it serves no purpose now i've always been someone that's that's tried my best to represent that like it's it's me but it's us you know what i mean it's yeah. always us i gotta ask you man i gotta ask you this so like you said you got jasmine sullivan just like, okay, so for instance, right, we hear Jasmine Sullivan on Apple Music, sounds dope. Yep. Um, Brady playing, okay, he's great. Yep. But he in that same space as them, like just people on that level of talent, right? Yeah. What kind of vibe does that just give you? I feel like it would give me chills just to see her like singing and like, yo, you sound like how you sound on Apple Music. <laughs> like, I mean, we might as well have been in the studio with her recording, bro, because she sounds she sounds like Jasmine Sullivan. And not every, we know, not everyone can do that. You know what I mean? But no, nah, she sounds like Jasmine Sullivan, man. It, it was incredible. Like I said, the 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 feeling was so overwhelming. I, I had to take a step. I had to just like sit down and like literally just put my hands on my head. And just process everything, bro. It was like yeah. that powerful, man. Just because I, I, I was about to explode like just with the energy that I felt. You know what I mean? And mm. most of sometimes when we feel that way, we can channel it by hooping. You know what I mean? We can play a game and we can kind of come back too. But there is no court around. So <laughs> <laughs> I just like go to the shop club. You like Yo. right, right, right. <laughs> Right. I just, I had to find a way to channel it, man. So I just needed a moment. I just needed to sit down and just take a moment to myself, man, and, and process it, bro. And, you know, and, and that's when I looked at my phone and there was, there's, there's, there's my King Julian, man, with the text. So I got right back at him. Yeah, man. And I mean, I can only imagine what, like Drew was asking about what that's like to be, to sit and or be in the same arena with pure greatness on the entertainment side, on the athletic side and just feel that so but yeah man to wrap this thing up we always ask our guests uh this question because we think it's important but what advice uh would you give current student athletes or maybe even former student athletes at this point yeah well i don't know if i, if I have advice for them but i would tell them what worked for me and what worked for me is studying the greats i think in in, in every in every opportunity and being a student athlete, whatever direction you want to go with like this, this tool, this research you've been given, there is someone else that has like done this work. There's someone that's pioneered that work for you. So for me, it was the Dr. Harry Edwards of the world. It was the Tommy Smith, the John Carlos, the Bill Russells, the John Thompsons, right? It was these people who were involved in this sport, but never allowed their whole identity to be swallowed by that sport because they all knew that one day, this is going to end. And when it ends, where am I? Who am I? I never want to be the person that, that was like the character on Friday Night Lights. Booby. Y'all remember Booby on Friday Night Lights? Yes, you know what I mean? When he hurt his knee and he cried to his uncle, like, what, what am I going to do? You know, like, what am I going to do? Like, I never want to be that person. And I also have to give credit to an episode of The Fresh Prince that really, like, woke my game up about that. If y'all recall, it was the... the uh, the episode with, with, with my breath from uh from uh New Jack City, um um, um G Money, oh, you know G Money was was the was a rival. He was just like Will Smith. He was from the hood, but he was going to this other like prep school, right? And but he had a, he had a son, and so uh you know they playing and they going back and forth in the game, 
and and Will Smith let let the guy go, and he he scores the last the last bucket, and he wins. And then after the game, uh, G Money was waiting for Will Smith, and he was like, "Why did you let me score, Will? I know your game. You let me go around you." And he was like, "Well, this opportunity means more to you than it does to me." He was like, "Man, this don't this ball is just a tool. It's my mind that means the best thing, Will." And I was like, "I gotta be like that. <laughs> I gotta be like that." So like. You know, my, my biggest thing is to make sure that one, our student athletes understand that they are powerful, not because they play the sport, but because they're powerful, period. It's not the sport that makes them powerful. It's them playing the sport that makes, makes it like exciting, but that comes from them. You know, it's not the other way around. So making sure that our, our young people, particularly our young black student athletes understand the power of themselves is so important to me. And I think that our young women, our young queens that play sports in college, they understand, they, get, they got this down to a pack. They know that, they, they get it. Our young men still caught in the license to claim about what, can, what, what are the possibilities that could happen. And that stuff is enticing, you know what I mean? So for me, it's making sure that regardless if our student athletes play in the NBA, play in the NFL, play overseas, or they don't, they content with who they are as a person. And that's what I want to make sure that all of our student athletes have as they leave college, because that's what's most important. It can be depressing. You can you can fall under the spell of being depressed after you're done playing. That's why when we see when when that when that buzzer goes off at the end of the tournament run, and you see all these crying faces, like those are real tears. But it's also tears of like, what happens now? I'm no longer playing this sport, and this is it's my last game. What happens to me now? You know what I mean? So making sure that there's a there's a there's an answer to that question once that buzzer goes off is the most important aspect that I think any student athlete can have because you have so much of your life to live, you know, and you can use this opportunity to help you get there. But by no means is this all uh, of who you are as a student athlete. So for me, I would say it's about studying the grace, studying those people that 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 you want to you want to incorporate in your life. The people that you can identify that know that like once the game passed them on, they still was content. They still was good, still was in high spirits, you know, and I think that's something that's so important. So I, I want that for all of our student athletes. Yes, sir. And look, you said a name, Dr. Harry Edwards. And if you don't know, you got, you gotta, you gotta look him up to all them listeners out there. He is the one he is the one that that is one of the originators of what I think all of us aspire to be. Um, yes, sir. While we, we kind of do what we do. Um, yeah. But listen, man, we appreciate you big time, man. And I, I I went back through some old texts, and I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I got to ask if you want to do 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 a shameless plug. Not even a shameless. If you want to plug some project, a project you got coming up, or is it is it launched or whatever, whatever you want. Yeah. To do. Well, I, I guess I, I have one shameless plug to, to put out there. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've started um, I've started the venture of doing like this live pod show on, on IG. It's called the Manifesto Pod Show. Now, I'll send that to y'all so y'all can have it. Um, where, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just talking, bro. I'm, I'm trying my best to, to make sure that some of the things I've learned along the way that I give out. And I started it on Kwanzaa. I celebrate Kwanzaa every year. And, you know, I, I know that a lot of us, don't celebrate Kwanzaa and we have our reasons as to why, but I wanted to give out information about why it's so important for us to celebrate. And I fully believe we celebrate it. We just don't know we celebrate it because I don't know one black person that's not determined. I don't know now one black person that doesn't find you in working together for the greater good of the community that understands the importance of trying to find the, the value in the black dollar that has creativity, that believes that has in a, in a higher power. Those are all principles of Kwanzaa. We celebrate it. We just don't know. So it's like, I want to make sure that I showcase that, you know, and bring that forward. But then that led to other conversations, you know, about black history, who invented black history? Why did we celebrate it? Why we shouldn't be like, oh, they just gave us black history month in February because it's the shortest month. But no, there is an actual science behind that reason. You know what I mean? Like, man, Dr. Carter G. Wilson knew what he was doing when he put black history month in February. You know what I mean? So like, it's, it's a matter of us understanding that. But uh, this is my way to showcase my love for the culture. You know, um, my next my next show is going to be this Friday where I'm going to be talking to my queen. This is why I want to plug. I'm going to plug my queen. 
Um, so shout out to my queen, um, Ashley Davis. Uh, she is the founder and CEO of Smash Shoes. Uh, Smash Shoes is a company uh, that's, that, um, that creates shoes um, for women who wear size 10 through 14. So women who have larger feet, that's like, you know, looking, looking to look good. You don't have to settle for like finding stuff that's not on a rack of Payless or at Nordstrom's rack, you know, but you, you need shoes that, that look good, that go with your, your look, Smash Shoes got it. So that's why I want to do a plug. Well, I'm plugging my queen. Shout out to my queen. I love her. Shout out to your queen, dog. And I see the page. I just went to her Instagram. Yeah. She got a following. She got a, she got a large following. So y'all, y'all, I see you, man. I, hey. Yeah. I see what you're doing out here. <laughs> and that's homegrown following too. That's that's not that's that's not paid for subscription yeah. followers. That's yeah. homegrown. There once was a time where it was about seven people that followed us, and now we've grown to where we at now. That's what's up, man. This is dope. Well, I'm a follow too. Um, yes, sir. I'll share. Uh, you know, I ain't wearing no female. I'm looking it up now. Yeah, it's smashshoes.com. So smash uh, s. H-A-S-H, shoes, traditional oh, okay. way spelled shoes.com, all one word. Um, Instagram is the same thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, I just I just pulled it up too, okay. Yeah. What's up? What's up, dog? Hey, look, yeah. man, it's been a pleasure. Uh, always good to chop it up with you, man. I, I hate we didn't get to go to NASPA this year. I'm sure you would have been there. Where was it at this past year? Where was man. It well, I know it's gonna be somewhere back back in the Midwest. It was supposed to be somewhere back in the Midwest this year, man. But uh, you know, it is what it is, man. But yeah. you, I, I think you know, <laughs> NASPA is always interesting for me, man, because NASPA NASPA sometimes can be like a, a clubhouse. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. I know what I'm. I know everything. You don't know anything <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and and i and i you know i hate presentations man where we talk about the problem for 30 slides and then we talk about the solution for one slide bro i i, I can't stand that, oh man, man. hey that's a whole nother show big <laughs> we appreciate you dog let's stay in touch and yes sir uh, best of luck with everything man keep doing what you're doing Indeed. Uh, and if you are as always if you need anything you reach out, man. We got you. It's like, and, yes, sir. And it's the same the other way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely, man. I appreciate y'all kings for doing what y'all doing for creating this platform. Like I said, I've been a big fan. I've been following y'all. I listen to y'all all the time. So it's a pleasure to be here, man, to represent, to be on a part of this, man. This has been incredible. Appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Good one. All right, you man. too, man. Be well. Yeah, you too.